Hey, all you boys and girls out there in radio film school land. Welcome to another episode of Shortens. These are short, mini documentary episodes and stories about all things cinema to hold you over until the next episode of the main show. If you want to know the history behind the term shortens, check the website. The episode you're about to hear was originally intended to be our Halloween special, but as I record this opening, I'm in Dallas, Texas for a conference where I'm giving a presentation on new media marketing. So gearing up for that trip, I wasn't able to get this polished off in time for Halloween. However, I think the content itself is evergreen, and this year is still the 40th anniversary of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So by my book, it's still good to go. So let's go. You're listening to Dare Dreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. 12 a.m., zero hundred hours, the witching hour, midnight. Whatever you call it, the zero hour is one that holds a special place in the hearts and minds of men and women, boys and girls alike. Sometimes you hate it. Whenever I look at the clock and see that it's at or near midnight, nine times out of ten I'll breathe a sigh of frustration and may even utter a profane exclamation every now and then. Something along the lines of, Are you f***ing kidding me? It's already midnight? What the hell, man? I need to go to sleep already. I think I'm getting old. But there are times when midnight is met with anticipation. If either my wife or I are up at midnight on the eve of one of our birthdays, we'll give the B-Day person a hug and a kiss and a happy birthday. Speaking of kisses, we can't forget midnight, New Year's Eve, when people all over the world will kiss who or whatever they can when the clock strikes 12. Midnight also has a particularly special relationship with the world of cinema, especially when it comes to movie times. Midnight showings of Star Wars sell out sometimes weeks in advance for new release. No doubt, the midnight showings for this year's release of Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, may already be sold out after the record-setting pre-sales from last week. Midnight also happens to be the most popular showtime for one certain movie that turns 40 this year. Well, you got caught with a flat world. How about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. You guessed it, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. According to Wikipedia, it is the longest running theatrical film release in history. I'm just a sweet from transsexual First released in London on August 14, 1975, and later in Los Angeles on September 26th of that year. Despite the fact that the film was selling out every night at the UA Theater in Los Angeles, elsewhere in the country it was performing very poorly. So much so that it was definitely headed for an early grave. That is until 20th Century Fox executive Tim Deegan convinced the studio to try midnight showings after the success of midnight showings for the movies Pink Flamingos and Reefer Madness. So, on April Fool's 1976, the film began its midnight run at the Waverly Theater in New York City, with many theaters granting free access to people who would arrive in costume. Since that time, the Rocky Horror Picture Show has become a cultural phenomenon. But what is it about this show that appeals to people so? When I started researching the story and culling clips from the show, it took me back to the first time I ever saw a midnight showing. It was my freshman year at UC Berkeley, and a group of us from my dorm had gone to the show. I had no idea what to expect. 
And when I saw the movie in the audience, I swear it was the weirdest, freakiest experience of my life. One of the other girls on my dorm floor, who just also happened to be African-American, turned to me and said, and I swear, it was something along these lines, is this like a white people thing? And I just responded, um, I'm not quite sure what it is. So I wanted to discover what it is about this show that has such an appeal. To find the answer, I would start with one of the stars of the show itself, the woman who played Janet. So you say you were in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. You were in the actual movie. No. I, <laughs> I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Meet Courtney Holmes. As you have most likely already deduced, I did not speak to Susan Sarandon. The podcast ain't that popular yet, but I was able to talk to the almost next best thing, kind of. So how did you get to Tennessee from Australia? Because you sound like you're from Australia. <laughs> I uh, was actually um, raised in Georgia, in Valdosta, Georgia. No way. And, yeah. And um, moved to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, south, just south of Nashville, um, when I was 15, 16. Okay. And um, lived there till I was 21. And then I uh, worked in Maine at a summer camp for girls um, as a musical theater counselor, drama counselor, and met my husband now, who's Australian. And um, I was married to him by that March and moved out here in 2006. So, so you're, you were born in Georgia? No, I was born in Nashville, and we moved around. I lived in Atlanta okay. um, when I was about five, and then when I was five, we moved to Valdosta, and I lived in Valdosta from the time I was five to the time I was 15. So are your parents from Australia? No, they're Because from... you have an Australian accent, so you just picked that up <laughs> after moving there? Yes. Did you really? Yes. Like, it's yes. not... Like, I mean, I can definitely hear it. Like, I wouldn't say it's, like, super strong. Uh, not super strong, no. Like, so is it something that crept in, or do you, like, work on it? I, <laughs> it crept in. I think I talk to people um, and tend to mimic their accents, and when you do that over the course of 10 years, you just pick it up. So after um, the 10 years, you got that? Yeah, yeah. All right, so, yeah. So, did you, so did you ever have, like, a southern accent? I did. So is your accent sort of like a conflation of... The Confederate South and and Down Under? Yes. Is it really? I think so, yeah. You people can... in Australia think I still still think I sound American. I can see that. People in America still think I sound Australian. So yeah, I'm you like can do a whole you can do a whole podcast just on your <laughs> your your life. Yeah. On your yeah. on your dialect. <laughs> yeah. Dialect. So you said you played Janet. Which character yeah. is Janet? Because I'm not particularly familiar with the story. Like, I've only seen the movie. Oh. Is she the main character? She's the main character. Well, she's one of... She's not the main character. Oh, I guess Frank. Frank is probably the main character. Well, oh, no, no. But, but is she yeah. the one that... Um, she's the lead. She's the lead. So she's the one that... Uh, what's your name played in the movie? Why is her name? Susan Sarandon played in the movie? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Got it. So that's... Yeah, that's... So that is a lead. So did you, yeah. uh, did you, did you audition for it? Yeah, yeah, lots of people auditioned for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, Fred, this was when you were in Nashville still. Mm-hmm, Murfreesboro, yeah. Got it, okay. Um, what was it about that character that appealed to you? Um, well, I think I related to her a bit in, in a lot of ways because um, black 
<clears throat> obviously being raised from the south I was brought up in a very um conservative Christian home so um her like inner wanting to um be rebellious and all of that I could really relate to oh yeah um and she's very just um kind of prim and proper on the outside and Mm -hmm. um but then yeah towards the end of the show she gets a bit crazy so remind us how does she get crazy yeah remind us how does she get crazy oh well she ends up um like getting into sort of being transfixed by frank and she ends up um at one stage i was on stage naked with just bra and undies on right. <laughs> um so she it's a very sexual show and um lots of sexual tension within the show and so um that's kind of where her like desires and rebellion comes through towards the end of the show because she's um she finds herself in precarious situations. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. So was that yeah. was that hard to play that character, or were you totally into it because you had your own rebellious nature? To um, it was it, uh, it. I wouldn't say it was hard. No. Um, I think probably you just one totally of got hardest. right into it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was easy because I was really good friends with all of the cast members, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like it was um uncomfortable or anything but i think just the idea of playing a character like that on stage is Mm -hmm. a bit frightening when your family is in the audience and Uh, uh, all of your friends are in the audience um so it's fine when you know you don't really know who's out there that's watching you it's easier to play a character like that but then when you start to think about who's watching you then you start to become a bit more self-conscious so in that regard it was a bit hard so I'm not sure what's worse, playing such a character as an adult with friends or family in the audience or watching the movie for the first time as a teenager with your mom. I actually watched it uh, with my mom, which is one of the most awkward experiences I've ever had. What was that because like? Because I don't... It was very strange. She, she said she had seen it before. Um, and so I thought, oh, it won't be awkward to watch it with her. But then as soon as the movie started and Brad and uh, Janet are taking their clothes off, I was like, whoa, this is not a movie I probably should have watched. <laughs> Come on. That's Lauren, a huge fan of the show who works at a local bookstore in my town. Lauren embodies the spirit of the people who frequent the midnight showings. As was evidenced by the fact she was totally willing to sing for me, a total stranger on a podcast she had never heard of before. Well, I love songs. I do love to sing, and I think the songs in that movie are fantastic. What's your, you said you like song. What's your favorite song from that movie? Oh my gosh, that's a really big question. I guess Hot Patootie, because I do really like Meatloaf. It's like, hop a tootie, bless my soul. I really love that back and roll. It's that one. <laughs> Got it. Very good. You have a good voice. So, I mean, obviously the song that I know most from the, from the movie is Time Warp. Because, yeah, I think, uh-huh, of course. I, I think that's safe to say that's the most popular song from the, from the movie. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so, how does that one go? Give us a few chords. Okay, well, it's just a jump to the left. 
of your hips. So what is it about this movie that has made it sustain for so long? What is the secret sauce, if you will? I think both Courtney and Lauren have good insight into that. I think that a lot of people who go to the show are more just interested in like the camp aspect of it and just being really crazy and flamboyant and different and mm. themselves. And I think just that opportunity to be themselves in a space that's safe probably and have fun with other people and meet other people that were similar. I think having a place to come to would be something that is different for people. So yeah, that's my opinion. Well, I think she's kind of said it like it's an excuse to go out and dress up and act crazy with people and not be judged about it and just have a really good time. And I think that's probably why. I mean, everybody needs that. You know, it doesn't matter how straight-laced you are. Everybody's got a little bit of a freak inside of them. So Rocky Horror just lets you go out and let your freak flag fly and not have to worry about it. Because it does. It has like several different messages throughout the movie, you know, and it ends totally different than how you expect it to. But don't let your expectations ruin let you not see what's going to happen. I got to be honest, Rocky Horror Picture Show is not at all my cup of tea. And I'm pretty sure I won't ever go to another midnight show. Nor will I ever rent it on DVD, watch it on Netflix, or go to any other showing of the movie. But I can't help but appreciate and respect the passion and conviction these fans have. And frankly, who am I to judge? I have my own fair share of craziness and geekiness. And as Lauren put it so well... No matter how straight-laced you are, everybody's got a little bit of freak inside of them. And we all, no matter who we are, want a place where we can go, be ourselves, and not be judged. And honestly, when you're able to let those kind of inhibitions down, I truly do believe you create for yourself the ability to let your art excel. So my fellow filmmaking friends, are you willing to let your freak flags fly? This special episode of Radio Film School was written and produced by me. Special thanks to Courtney and Lauren for coming on the show at the last minute. You can follow me on Twitter at FM, and you can follow the show at Radio Film School or on Facebook at facebook.com slash radiofilmschool. Music for this episode was curated from freemusicarchive.org and Kevin McLeod's incompetech.com. The show is also sponsored in part by Song Freedom, where you need to legally license high-quality music for your productions. Go to songfreedom.com slash radio and use the offer code radio and get a free standard gold level license valued at $30. Thanks as always for tuning in. Please leave a review on iTunes if you appreciate the show. So next time, remember, if the story sucks, I don't care what you shot it with or cut it on. Take care.